Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. The Falcons are preparing for their second preseason game on Friday at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. It is a game in which we expect a lot of the starters to play for the first time this preseason, perhaps for the only time this preseason. I spoke with Josh Kendall from The Athletic about, you know, the last preseason game, what the ramifications for that have been for this week of practice, what to expect on Friday. Unfortunately, we had a great conversation. That's not the unfortunate part. It didn't get recorded. Um, so that's on me. I'm going to take ownership for that. I'm not really sure what happened there, but what I'm going to do instead is kind of give you my version with his permission of what we talked about. Just a little recap of some of the insights that he shared with me. Run that all down uh, for you guys. But unfortunately, the actual interview, the conversation will not be here. Um, going to try to be better about that in the future. It's preseason for all of us. Uh, you know, just a simple mistake on my part, but it did remind me of a great story that I can share with you all very quickly back from my time working with the Atlanta Falcons. I remember going and interviewing, um, Chuck Smith and speaking with him about, you know, the pass rush kind of guru that he's become and, and all of the different ways that he's helping kind of the next generation of pass rushers come up and, and we you know, brought video out. We were going to do this cool, like detailed thing um, where he shows some of those moves, almost like a, a little bit of a working coach session, talking with him about where he learned all that, what his career has been post-wise. It was really, really fun. I was really excited for that. After I wrapped up that interview, I went home and my wife and I were, were moving that same day. And so as I'm unloading our entire, you know, every possession we own out of the, the townhouse and into this moving truck. I have my phone in my pocket as one does. And I guess like, I still don't really know what happened, but just throughout the the course of the day, going in and out of the house, lugging stuff, all of that good stuff. My phone screen kind of was just tapping against my thigh. I looked at it like two hours into it. And it, it said that I had basically tried and failed the password login like 15 times. And that the phone had been locked out for like an hour at that point. So I just put it on the, the kitchen counter, what have you, when it was accessible again, and I started using it, put it back in my pocket, went back about my day. I looked at it after everything was done and it had timed me out, but not only timed me out, like it completely reset my phone because it was just tapping against my thigh, I guess, and just entering incorrect password after incorrect password. And if you lock yourself out of your phone by submitting the wrong password too many times, it doesn't just lock you out for like two and a half months. It will delete everything on your phone, every apps, pictures, call messages, text messages, and recorded voice memos. So I lost that entire interview that I did, all of the really, really cool um, kind of feature stuff I've been working on that off season. So that is all to say that this is not the first interview, nor will it be the last that I've lost to the ether. And I really apologize um, for that, you all, because it was a great conversation. I'm going to have hopefully Josh on many more times in the future. He's one of my favorite people to talk to every time I'm up in Flowery Branch, uh, working with the team and, and covering the team. So that is a little bit of the um, situation we're dealing with today. But the good news is that I have an awesome interview with the founders of Guardian Caps, Aaron and Lee Hansen, who 
have worked extensively with the NFL, with the University of Georgia, with a lot of high school programs here in the, in the state of Georgia to develop this technology that is really, so far, making the NFL a, a safer place, at least on the practice field. So that is on the docket for today. Going to have that interview for you guys uh, a little bit later. First, I'm going to recap uh, kind of what Josh and I talked about as it pertains to the goings-on with the team and what to expect Friday night. So that is today's show for you all. But first, Bet Online is the number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, which are available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I mentioned I spoke with Josh for about 30 minutes uh, earlier today, and we covered a, a wide range of, of topics. But I think the most important and pressing news regards injuries, and specifically Matt Hennessy. Um, and, and before we even started talking, you know, Josh kind of was giving me a little bit of a, a heads up on this, saying that any answers he provided um, earlier this afternoon, again, I'm, I'm, it's 5.14 as I record this on a Wednesday. You guys will hopefully be listening to this bright and early on Thursday morning, but whenever you get around to, uh, to this podcast, there's a good chance that what I'm about to say about Matt Hennessy has changed, or at least there's new information um, about it. Josh, you know, seems to think, and we, we knew that Matt Hennessy early on in camp kind of re-aggravated a knee injury that uh, he was dealing with throughout last season. And now it's, it's maybe looking like, all right, he's got a couple options on the table, uh, as Josh put it. Do you try to grind it out through the season? You know, you're in, for all intents and purposes, a battle for that left guard starting spot. Um, although now it seems, given Matt Hennessy's injury missed time, and, and frankly, just kind of like the expectation for Matthew Bergeron, it seems, and, and Josh said, like he would consider right now Matt Bergeron the week one starter at left guard for this Falcons team. Again, a lot of that has to do with Matt Hennessy's injury, which is unfortunate because I think last year he at least earned the opportunity to get a very, very serious look at the starting role heading into the season. Um, you know, he was a starter at, at times last year. So that is kind of option A, is, is really try to push through this, get back out there, you know, maybe miss a, a little bit more time, but ultimately try to manage this thing throughout the season and, and give it your all. The other option could be more of a preventative measure and you look at, all right, let's just do what we need to do in the immediate term to get this fixed and corrected. And literally, as I am recording this, we've got some breaking news. I am getting an email saying that Matt Hennessy has been placed on the reserve injured list. So there you go. That's literally all it says. The Atlanta Falcons have placed offensive lineman Matt Hennessy on the reserve injured list. That's the email that I just got as I am talking to you guys. Again, I'm sure that as you're listening to this, more information will be coming out but now I think it's safe to say that maybe that second option is the uh, is where they're going and that he could elect to get this situation taken care of for the long term. Hopefully that involves the Falcons. Um, but it's a real shame for Matt Hennessy. You know, you've got Adeo Gandeji also going on a reserve injured list. Um, you've got Frank Darby. 
who was released by the team with kind of an injury. Josh seemed to think that hopefully we we have not seen the last of Frank Darby, but that's a little bit of a complicated process. He's got to clear waivers, then he would revert back to the Falcons um, and go on IR there. So just a few balls in the air um, with regards to Frank Darby, but a couple of young players, you know, it seems as though we're in a little bit of um, a waiting period to just kind of see what the future will hold for some of these guys. Uh, and so that was first and foremost, kind of what Josh and I talked about to get an update on some of those injuries. Cordero Patterson, Mike Hughes, looking like we may not see them again um, this preseason. Certainly with Cordero, uh, you know, I think that him being a veteran, he was already probably going to be on a little bit of a pitch count uh, to start the year. I don't think they expected him to have quite the workload at the out of the running back position carrying the ball the way that he did uh, the first few games last season. So he is probably going to be shut down for the rest of the preseason. We may see him um, early on in the year. Cornell Armstrong, Josh thought that you know maybe the first of next week is when he could return back to practice. And then Jeff Okuda, you know, still kind of waiting to see the obviously much better news than people anticipated after his initial ankle injury. Um, and at the time, Arthur Smith said, you know, earlier in the season, hopefully, you know, week one, two or three, they just didn't know at that point. Josh did bring up the notion that let's say, you know, it's it's not progressing as well as they initially thought or that timetable is is maybe just going to be extended by like a week or two that it might not be the most shocking news that the Falcons, once the regular season starts and they implement kind of that four game, that short term IR, could you maybe see news come out that Jeff Okuda is going on that short term IR that opens up a spot for four games? It allows them more roster flexibility, even though, you know, they would still anticipate getting Jeff Okuda back sooner rather than later. So if you see that happen, don't panic. It's not necessarily the end of the world. It's just the Falcons taking advantage of a little bit of a new rule that's been created here that allows for a little bit more roster flexibility and that IR is not the end all be all your season is over that it used to be. Um, The next thing that he and I kind of talked about was Friday night's game against Miami. Um, My thoughts on that, you can go listen to uh, on Monday's podcast. I was very impressed. So was Josh. Uh, He particularly, you know, mentioned some of the defensive line play. As I did, uh, DeMarco Hellams was another player who he really thought helped himself um, in Friday night's game, especially as you look at kind of that battle for the fourth safety spot between maybe he and Mike Abernathy. Um, You've got kind of Richie Grant, Jesse Bates, Jalen Hawkins situated there as your top three. Who's going to be that fourth player? Well, obviously, you know, DeMarco Hellams having an interception uh, in the end zone on that first drive was big. Shout out to Trey Flowers again for making a huge play there. But then Josh did also mention, you know, Timmy Horn, um, Albert Huggins, those two defensive linemen who seem to really be competing maybe for the exact same job (laughs) in in camp down at the end, that seventh, eighth spot on the defensive line rotation, which is a true testament to just how much better that group has gotten is that we're seeing, you know, Timmy Horn, who like played a decent amount of snaps for the Falcons last season. Like he's probably on the bubble, definitely on the bubble right now and, and is not guaranteed a spot in any way, shape or form, even though I thought he was one of the most impressive players out there on the field on Friday. So that is, is really standing out. And then the third spot that, that Josh mentioned was the interior offensive line. Um, and, and as I kind of, as we talked about uh, Matt Hennessy and, and, you know, then Matthew Bergeron, you brought up Ryan Newsel as, as a guy, um, who has really been 
His name has been uh, getting mentioned more and more often by Arthur Smith. I thought he played extremely well for a majority of the game on Friday, played, I think, the third, maybe tied for the second most snaps offensively just behind Logan um, Woodside, who obviously played them all. Uh, but Ryan Newsel has a lot of that interior versatility on the offensive line that the Falcons really covet, can play center, can play guard. Um, so he may be their top kind of interior lineman backup reserve um, right now. And, and Josh did say, you know, he felt that if Matthew Bergeron went down and Ryan Newsel had to step up, uh, or if, you know, Drew Dahlman or anybody goes down, Ryan Newsel had to step up right now and, and kind of go. Would the offensive line maintain that level of play that it's, it's shown? At least last year, we haven't really seen the starters, but in training camp, still look good. Uh, and he said, yes, you know, that, that Ryan Newsley feels it at this point. Like if you had to step in, you know, not that you wouldn't miss a beat necessarily, but that things wouldn't utterly collapse, which is, you know, a, a very good sign. And again, a big testament to the depth uh, that Atlanta has built. So the trenches were the big takeaway um, for, I think, all parties, you know, Josh included, myself included. Um, from Friday's game. And, and that is a big testament, again, to the style of this team coming through in a way that, frankly, I, I was not really expecting. Um, and then kind of the other main thing uh, that, that Josh and I talked about, and I would highly uh, encourage you to go check out his piece on The Athletic about the Falcons' offensive distribution and the way that he thinks it could shape up. And you know, I want to do a very good job of, of prefacing this in the way that he did. In the piece, he mentions total touches. He is defining touches not as carries plus receptions. He is looking at targets instead of receptions. So it's carries plus targets. So these numbers are going to be a little bit inflated, but his goal was to look at more of a breakdown of where the ball is intended to go, of who they want to get involved and kind of the, you know, the, the different ratios to which these guys are going to be mixed in. Um, he is Bijan Robinson leading the way with 301 projected total touches. He breaks that down as 215 carries, 86 targets. Um, so that is, is big. And he said he has talked to some people who cover the team as, as closely as he does, who feel that that number may be off and that he probably might have more targets than carries. Basically, we're all sitting here trying to figure out how they're going to use Bijan Robinson. Josh's point and I think Arthur Smith kind of feels similarly, um, is that the safest way to get Bijan Robinson involved is to turn around and hand him the ball uh, because therefore, or there, that way you at least guarantee that the ball is getting in his hands. You could drop a pass play designed to go right to him and the defense could take it away. So therefore, the ball doesn't go into Bijan Robinson's hands. It goes into somebody else's and that's not necessarily what you intended to have happen. So for that reason, Josh, I think is erring on the side of, hey, Turn around and hand him the ball off, get him 200 carries, and then figure out the, the targets. Work it that way. So we'll see if he's right. But I, I don't want to talk too much more about this piece because you should go read it for yourself. Um, I just thought it was a really creative and interesting exercise uh, to kind of start thinking about how a really interesting and versatile offense could actually function when you sit down and actually have to kind of start divvying out where these are, are going. It reminds me a little bit of... Um, an episode of The Office where, you know, Jim and and Michael Scott are, are both kind of co-managers at the same time, and it's about merit raises. And so they go around the uh, the conference room table and, and have pictures printed out of every employee in the office, and they're putting little beans on, on their faces, and basically each bean represents half a percent uh, raise. 
And once you kind of get down to actually doing it, and it's easy to sit here in theory, but then you're going around and you're putting the beans on people's faces, it seems a lot more difficult in practice. So I I highly uh, commend Josh for going through this exercise and actually putting it all out there and and kind of staking a claim on what he thinks going to happen. Because when you do that, you know, you set yourself up for uh, everybody online to come at you and be like, well, you said this was going to happen and this actually happened. So again, go check out that piece. It's great um, by Josh. Finally, the uh, the preseason game coming up on Friday. One bit of information from Josh uh, is, you know, that Arthur Smith and, and his coaching staff are looking at this not from a series perspective, like we're going to give our starters one or two series or two series is the game plan. Like, because you never know. They, they could score a touchdown on the very first play or throw an interception on the very first play. And then, all right, is that a series? Did you really get to see anything out of that except for somebody throwing the ball to the other team? No. So they are going to look at it more from a pitch count and a play count type of uh, situation. So it could be, all right, we know we want to get Desmond Ritter, the 15-play start, the script that we usually have to, to start games. We want to get him out there and, and see him through those first 15 plays, and then that's all we need to see. Or it could be we want him to play a whole half. And if that's, you know, 35 plays is what we've budgeted for this half and they wrap through that midway through the second quarter. All right, maybe Taylor Heineke comes in. Maybe they do extend it the full half just because that's what they want to see. My point is that it's all fluid right now and it should be because you don't know what's going to happen. So you keep all options on the table. The end all be all is that you get a good evaluation on the guys that you need to evaluate. Not necessarily that the fans get to see B. John Robinson for five more meaningless snaps. I think we'd all rather see him healthy and fresh and good to go week one than playing for you know five more minutes in the second preseason game against the Bengals second teamers. So that was interesting to me, though, the notion of, all right, we're, we're going to do more about plays as opposed to series. Because I think when people think about the preseason, typically it's all right, you know, they're going to go in for like three series. And then we'll put the backups in until the halftime. And then we'll put the third and fourth guys in for, you know, a, a quarter each. Like that's kind of how people generally, I think, view the preseason. So this was a, a kind of a fun way to look at it um, a little bit differently. And then, you know, some of the guys that Josh said he was really curious and looking forward to see, obviously, Matthew Bergeron in there, Bijan Robinson, of course, in there. Um, but some of these defensive guys, me personally, like, Troy Anderson, Caden Ellis, how do those guys look? That's going to be really fascinating. Um, I'm very excited to watch this team on Friday. Uh, and you guys can hear my thoughts after the, uh, the game. I may, again, last week, I was sitting there ready to run up and, and do my mic. And I was so close after that kind of flurry to finish the fourth quarter. You had D. Alford's uh, punt return and then Breon Borders getting that pick six. And I was like, man, should I just go upstairs and do a quick 15 minutes on uh, on everything that happened. Ultimately, I didn't. I opted for the deep dive on Monday, which I, I think was the better choice for that game. But we'll play it by ear once again. So if on Friday night, the starters come out, it's bing, bang, boom, they look really sharp. I may in the middle of the game come up here and, and go ahead and hop on the mic and, and share my thoughts. Probably not because I need to watch the rest of it. But you get my point. If there's something worth talking about, look for me on Saturday morning I will be there and I will have some some insights into the game, things that went down. If it is a little bit more of a, a ho-hum preseason game, even though the starters are out there, then we'll probably go with the deep dive approach again and check it out on Monday morning. Um, and follow me on Twitter, at Will McFadden. I can, uh, I'll shoot a note kind of during the game 
letting you guys know the uh, the status of the podcast and whether or not it will be dropping on Saturday. So let's get into my conversation with Aaron and Lee Hansen from Guardian. All right, I'm very excited to be joined now by Aaron and Lee Hansen, the founders of Guardian Caps, uh, which are becoming very, very important in the NFL this time of year. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining me. Absolutely. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, uh, Aaron, we can start with you. I just want to see if you can explain a little bit uh, for the audience just what exactly are Guardian Caps and how are they uh, improving the NFL that we know and love? Right. They are just simply a soft shell cap. And the college high school version weighs about seven ounces, so it's less than half a pound. And it's basically just a foam, a molded foam cap that sits on top of any existing helmet. So it's one size fits all, youth all the way through college. And it just takes that impact off of the player's head in practice. But it's also, you know, the kids falling to the ground, especially in youth or big guys being knocked Mm -hmm. down. But it's also helmet to elbow, helmet to rib, helmet to, you know, just about any body part. So it's, you know, a lot of people talk about the head injury, which is extraordinarily important, but it's also even the quarterback coming and throwing and hitting his hand on a helmet. You know, you can you wouldn't do that with a normal helmet and getting that, getting those fingers, you know, oh, caught between two hard shell helmets. But a couple of the factors that makes it so, so valuable and important to improving the safety of athletes is the fact that it does reduce the impact, but it also moves independently because mm-hmm. it's just it's just attached with those elastic bands. So the cap actually shifts and redirects the energy around the helmet instead of through. And then I guess the last point, especially in the state of Georgia, <laughs> is that it reduces the, the heat. This polycarbonate hard shell helmet conducts heat, and this insulates it, keeps the helmet below up to 30 degrees cooler. So that makes really? it Really? How, how does it do that? Isn't that cool? Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it's just like an insulator. It's like a igloo cooler that has insulation mm-hmm. on the inside of it. And so it keeps that radiant energy from, from the sun from coming down and hitting right on the polycarbonate. And so it keeps it cool. We, we discovered this accidentally, actually. <laughs> this is something we didn't plan on. We're safety. But it was like a hot summer day, and we're outside, and we had a bunch of teams out there playing. And I put my hand on one of the polycarbonate shells, and it was hot. And it's like, wow, I wonder what it's like. And I pulled up a Guardian cap, and it was just really, really cool, cool as a cucumber. And uh, started realizing it's blocking that radiant energy from going in that goes directly into the helmet. So then, then we did the crazy thing. We said, okay, we had two interns at the time. And so we put them out in the field for about 30 minutes with thermocouples inside the helmet. And mm-hmm. we had to run around the field for 30 minutes, one with a cap, one without a Guardian cap. And the guy with the uh, guardian cap was about 25 degrees cooler than the one without the guardian cap. So we said, Hey, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Got lucky. Yeah. The NFL followed it up with some heat studies at a couple universities and they'll be releasing those heat studies. Yeah, so. they, they, they validated our intern study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so fascinating to me though, because, you know, like uh, growing up playing football here in, in Georgia and, you know, it's nighttime and you finish the practice, everybody's taking a knee, you have your helmets off and you're just seeing the it, steam, smoke, what have you, condensation just floating yep. off of everybody's heads left and right. And right. you would think that that almost that would trap that heat in that your body is is naturally creating. But you're saying that it's actually kind of 
more the the external sun when you're out here practicing that's actually kind of responsible for the insanely warm temperatures that the body gets to. Right. And and what's interesting is when you have a high school player, that's what we tell the mom and dad who buy one for their son. You know, it's a whole lot easier buy-in when the whole team's wearing it. But that Mm -hmm. one kid will say, man, this thing is heavy. It's not. Or this thing is keeping me hot. It's not. So, you know, that that's what we used to hear at the very beginning yeah. before before guys realized that it was actually doing them a favor and getting them to game day. You know, back back way back when when they would bulk a little bit at wearing it, those were those were two of the main things they would say. Lee, can you explain a little bit more about um, the importance of it not just being totally fastened onto the helmet? Uh, the ability for it to kind of move independently of the helmet and the benefit that that provides when you're talking about kind of the force impact? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, basically, it's Newtonian physics. It's fifth grade physics. You got force equals mass time acceleration. The helmets are fitted really tight to the head. So any kind of energy that hits on the polycarbonate shell goes right into the helmet. And -hmm. you're hoping that the pads inside deflect some of that energy or absorb some of the energy. On the outside, if you can reduce that force or the acceleration that's going into the helmet, you've basically stopped that linear impact. So that's part of it. The other part is the diversion of the the energy, the deflection. And so the helmet is like this, and the guarding cap goes on top of it, and it basically has just a slight movement this way and that way. So when the force hits it, it basically moves and it goes around. So now you got the force going around the helmet and not going through it and going into the hip. And so we call that angular, angular acceleration. Mm-hmm. You, you eliminate the angular acceleration, acceleration while you're decreasing the linear acceleration. You add the two together, and you've really decreased the energy and forces that are going into the hip. And, yeah, and they, you turn it into yeah. a glancing blow, essentially. Yeah, right. Right. And then, And when we designed this is the outside of the material here is a spandex type of material. So it's got a lower coefficient of friction than the actual polycarbonate shell. Uh, the polycarbonate shell has like a 0.32 uh, uh, microdyne friction, and this has a 0.27. So it's a lower friction than the polycarbonate shell. So it slides off of each other. And that's so. a good point. Because I, I, you know, in the Twitterverse, I hear a lot of comments, oh, it's going to ke- cause those two helmets to stick and it's going to cause neck torque. And that's absolutely not true. You know, the fact that it moves independently, mm-hmm. kind of like the MIPS system, yeah. moves independently of the helmet below it, and it has the lower coefficient of friction, means that it will do exactly not that. It does not cause the two helmets to grab and stick. Gotcha. Aaron, you mentioned, um, you know, neck injuries. Is there any, does this have any impact at all on neck injuries, or is this purely designed for concussion and head injuries? You know, we we did a lot of testing at the beginning. Lee and I kind of entered this market you know, with trepidation, something that we felt more of a responsibility to do instead of, you know, it's not something we set out to solve. And so we did a lot of testing at the beginning because our calling was to help and certainly not hurt. So we did NIJ neck testing. We did all of that in addition to the the impact testing and showed that it did not add increased risk to the neck. Okay. But yeah. did it validated everything? Sure, of course. Did it, did it provide any benefits to neck support? I, I know it was a neutral. I don't remember. We were so concerned with it being a neutral that it wouldn't yeah. add additional risk that I would have to look yeah. back over the, the results of the studies. I don't, I, don't, 
I don't know. I don't think the best thing for a neck is just strengthening your neck, doing neck exercises to right. strengthen yeah. you. That's going to make that's going to be better. I mean, because when your neck is weaker, it moves back and forth quicker, and that can mm-hmm. cause the stronger the neck is, it doesn't move. So, right. But and I, you know, the other part of this is when I, you know, worked for the Atlanta Falcons, one of the big things that Dan Quinn and, and Mark Manuel, the defensive coordinator at the time, were implementing was rugby style tackling, right? And that has since become a little bit more popular around the league. I, I played rugby in college, so I'm familiar with the differences between the two. And I am a little bit curious as to almost like the, the dual-pronged approach that the league seems to be taking here. On the one hand, they are legislating the number of maybe these impact hits out of the game. On the other hand, they are working with you all and, and others kind of like you to provide ways to lessen the impact of those hits. So you're not only lowering the number of the hits, but also lessening their impact. Do you guys have any sense of, you know, is one of those going to win out? Are they going to continue to work in tandem? You know, the people who complain about all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's all important. I think changes are important. I think technique is important. And I think equipment is important. I think all of them. Because you can have the, you can have the best technique in the world. And accidents happen. Two guys can accidentally bump into each other. I mean, yeah, they hit the ground. For I mean, sure. And guardian cap, a guardian cap is never going to make a, a player concussion proof. I mean, that's just. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hit you me know, in the chest. Yeah, you can hit me in the chest or you can hit face masks. Right. You know, in the, in the statistics the NFL released from last year, their first mandated year, they showed that concussions were reduced in those mandated positions from twenty, an average of 23 in the previous three years down to 11. So we thought, well, dang, that's pretty good. That's more than half. Well, even mm-hmm. out of that 11 concussions, six of them were face mask to face mask and didn't even involve the guardian cap. So mm-hmm. you know, it just shows you that no piece of equipment is going to fully protect any player. I think it's and all I, important. It is. It is definitely all important. And, you know, I, I just would wonder if um, this would be a solution to the fan who says, I miss the old way of football, right? Where somebody coming across the middle wouldn't dare. But yeah. You know, it sounds like those those days are are long gone behind us anyway for for many different reasons. You know, what what has been the reaction to this uh, league wide in the NFL since it's really kind of taken hold? You know, I think that anytime you start something new and change something, I'm sure it was like the old helmets going from a helmet to a helmet with a face mask. People are going <laughs> to balk and they're going to say, dang, that thing looks stupid. Yep. What's real, really fun for us now is to hear not only the little guys, the youth guys, but also the high school guys going, man, we think that thing's cool. Yeah. Never thought we'd do <laughs> that. Never. Designing <laughs> a, a cap that looks a whole lot different that they're able to logo and stuff like that. We were just reticent to change anything on it because the things worked so well and the results that we've gotten from teams and of course the NFL data Mm -hmm. coming back, it showed such value to the design we already have. We were a little reticent to change anything, but we, we are making it look better. Yeah. Yeah, But I I mean, the the safety is the most important thing, right? So you don't compromise the safety for style. I, I agree with you all, but I don't know that every player will agree with that. You know, the, product, <laughs> the products that we have at Guardian, we set out with the mission of making sports better for the athlete. So, you know, we're taking the impact off as much as possible. Mm-hmm. With our pro lacrosse ball, we made a ball that doesn't harden like rubber so that it, you know, these our son who was a goalie was getting hit with a projectile at 93 miles an hour that was hard as a daggum rock. 
So we've got a urine ball that doesn't harden. We care about the safety of that. Players don't. They care about the performance of the ball. They care about getting the ball. The ball ball never greases up. It never gets slick. So they actually perform better. They shoot better. They practice like they play. So they they have the same density. They have the same weight, like everything. Urethane and the ones in China come in out of rubber. And usually the the teams throw away the rubber balls about every three days. They throw them away and hours, they keep them season after season. So they last longer. They shoot the same way. And then then we did the same thing with infill for turf infill. Uh, When people were putting all the chrome rubber down, all the the tire uh, ground up tires they put on the field. Mm -hmm. We saw an opportunity there to create a bio-based that keeps the field about 28 degrees cooler. So we've done that now. So we're trying to step-by-step solve these problems. We care about the safety of it. The players care about the lacrosse ball because Mm -hmm. it has consistency of grip, right? It comes out of their stick the same way every time. We care about the fact that it doesn't get hard as a rock. You know, caps, they care about, coaches care about having, you know, they care about their kids, obviously, but they also want to have a full roster for game day. So, you know, and some, some of the coaches that I think is funny is when they say, hey, you know, I've got these super cool new matte silver helmets with all these cool decals and this things are going to make my decal look better. And we're like, hey, you know, if it means you put it on a kid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> helmet, we don't yeah. get the reason you just, you know, well, yeah, like what we, we like to say the best ability that a player can have is availability. Be yeah. there yep. on game day. For sure. <laughs> You're not alone <laughs> in saying that either. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Have you guys figured out a solution to uh, helmet stickers on the Guardian caps? I'm, I'm sure, you know, yeah. <laughs> people have mentioned that before. Yeah, the new design, I guess, I don't know if you can see the silver. The new design has mm-hmm. has wider pads. And so there's more uh, of a Area to, more real estate to logo. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we're making it look better. Yeah, 2024, we'll have a newer version. These will still be available, but we'll yeah. have a newer version that will be able to logo. Yeah, for sure. The safety is totally the uh, the end-all be-all. And I, I'm curious, Aaron, just to take it back a, a little bit to when you were talking about, you know, six of the concussions were face mask to face mask and the, the Guardian cap wasn't even really involved. Right. I know, um, you know, from looking into concussion stuff several years ago that there are different types of hits and really where you are hit, whether it's horizontally on the ground or a, a kind of vertical impact and, and perpendicular. Did these provide full round 360 protection equally are there areas where you are going to be a little bit more susceptible just because of the way the human body is like how does this work in terms of that aspect of it we we were seeing great results all the way around 360 now in the nfl version our regular cap for youth all the way through college wasn't showing as much impact reduction at those higher NFL speeds. So the NFL cap does have an extra layer inside hmm. and there there's is padded back here in the back even more. Um, we, we show that on our website just to, just to kind of clear up any confusion around the product, but we don't sell it on the website because our biggest fear would be um, a mom of a six-year-old, this thing, our regular one weighs about seven and a half ounces and this weighs close to 12 ounces, still less than a pound. I mean, yeah. it's still light, but I don't want a six-year-old wearing this. You know, that's <laughs> right. what we said all along. You know, our, mm-hmm. our mission is to help and to do no harm. And, and I just didn't want this on the young guys. So we don't offer that for sale. You know, that's a, that's a call into the office kind of product. Absolutely. Um, Lee, you know, I, I was, 
kind of doing my prep work for this and I saw Ron Corson, um, you know, who has been at UGA for a long time and, and does a great job with their medical program uh, and, and sports medicine over there, talking about how they've used Guardian Caps for for a long time. Everybody uses them on the team. They seems like he swears by it a little bit. What was that process, getting the University of Georgia involved and, and kind of testing it and learning a lot about your product through that partnership? Uh, it was just simply getting product to them and they, they looking at the other teams. I think Clemson and South Carolina were two of the first uh, NCAA sure. teams that started with it. Okay. And a lot, a lot of these uh, athletic trainers, they talk to each other. I For mean, sure. uh, yeah. they, they talk to each other. They say, hey, I, what is your experience? Are you seeing this? And Ron has been like the president of uh, <laughs> trainers of he, it forever. He he was tougher than most. Yeah. I mean, Ron does. I I have to say, shout out to Ron. He yeah, he, he crosses his homework. T's and I mean, dots he, his eyes. And yeah, he really wanted to see every bit of the data mm-hmm. and every bit of the you know everything that we had the testing. Yeah. I mean, he really dug deep. Yeah. So it was a it was a, a kind of a. Cool threshold we crossed when yeah, we Yeah, he vetted us extremely he well. He certainly did. <laughs> and then once he got a hold of it, you, you see they haven't taken it off. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. He believes in it. For sure. So then what, in, in that research process, when he's vetting you got like, who was the competition? Were you guys first to market? Were you the only thing out there? Like what made you better than the competition? Walk me through, you know, how you ultimately win the bids for these, you know, major college football programs. I think we're the only ones that have something exactly like this. We have patents written all around it. So we got multiple patents Dang. written around it. Uh, we, we got started back in 2010 with some doctors and Mark Kelso came to us and said, hey, we'd like to create a helmet that had soft. So we're like the precursor to the vices. So we helped uh, with our, we have an engineering uh, company here called the Hanson Group. And so we do a lot of military and other types of products uh, for a lot of other applications for 3M corporations, people. Mm. And so we're helping them develop a urethane with a skin on it for a helmet to have a soft sided helmet. And that just was, it wasn't ready. The, the league and everybody just wasn't ready for something like that. And that's when Aaron and I left that meeting and said, you know, we got to do something that's a one size fits all that can be adapted to any kind of football, football helmet out there. And that's what we developed it. For we sure. developed the guardian yeah. cap. Yeah, the Pro Cap, which I think is now safer helmets, I think it's been through, they've been through bankruptcy a few times. Yeah. That's still on the market. That's the one that Kelso and Steve Wallace wore in the 80s. The difference between their product and ours is that theirs is size and model specific. And then it it, it attaches to the helmet so there's no movement. And our goal was to do something inexpensive that's one size fits all that you know, coach with a in lightweight. With a, in lightweight. Yeah, ours is left about seven ounces, and theirs weighs about twenty-one to twenty-two ounces. Sure, sure. So about three times the weight. And we wanted to to respect the fact that high school coaches, you know, their budget is their budget, and you know, by the time they buy all of the other equipment, how much money do they have left over? And we thought, you know what, if we can make it inexpensive and one size fits all, they could retrofit mm-hmm. any helmet they have. That was a better way to go than to try to design a new helmet. Yeah. Yeah, affordable, interchangeable. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Think so, about it. But how we do youth leagues, they're you know we get in a, in a quantity, we can get it down to maybe fifty bucks a cap. And you know these wow. youth leagues are using them for five years, so you're looking at ten bucks a year. You know it's it's they last a long time yeah. at the youth level. So you know we we're trying to do the best we can at keeping. I'm 
it's been a little it's tough. A with, act, yeah. It's been a little tough with the shipping and you know what, what's been going on <laughs> lately. But we're 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 yeah. We've made a concerted effort to keep it affordable. There you go. Yep, get that business model um, in line. So my my last question for you all: uh, What's next for Guardian Caps? You know what what's on the horizon? You guys mentioned newer kind of models working on on style things like that, trying to find the right mix. But what what are your anticipations for the future? Well, for Guardian as a company, obviously, we've got the cap. We're doing a new iteration of the cap. We make the pearl lacrosse ball here in our warehouse in Atlanta. So that's the only domestic USA-made lacrosse ball. We've got Guardian infill to keep the fields cooler. Mm-hmm. And we've now sized it down that we're going to introduce a hockey cap because I know a lot of the hockey parents have written in saying, mm-hmm. hey, this thing looks awesome for the football field, but what about my kid cracking his head on the ice or you know, on the boards? What can mm-hmm. you do for us? So. We're just kind of so we'll roll a hockey cap out this fall, I believe. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> yep, fingers crossed. All right. Well, Aaron and Lee Hansen, I really appreciate the time. This was very uh, enlightening, and and I was fascinated by guardian caps and and like you said, just your willingness to jump in and try to solve a problem that has been apparent for a long time. So, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so I much. It. Take Thank care. You well, take care now. Bye bye. All right, that will do it for today's show, which as always was presented by Bet Online. I want to thank Aaron and Lee Hansen again. That was a really, really fun and cool conversation. I learned a lot. I kind of like science nerded out a little bit there, hearing about how, you know, the the way that it, it's not totally tight on the head. So it allows some of that movement. And when you can kind of have that glancing blow off the side, it, it definitely disperses some of that energy. So not everything is transmitted right into the player's head like all of that stuff is fascinating i do think it's going to continue to evolve do i care that they look a little bit silly out there not at all if if it keeps these guys safe and it allows us to continue to watch the game that we love and for these guys to continue to play it and feel safe and have it not ultimately ruin their lives in 20 to 30 years down the road like that's all that matters. I, I don't really care how it looks. I don't think anybody else should care how it looks. If the players are cool with it, if the coaches are cool with it, and the game is working and it is having a positive impact, then that's awesome. And so I really thought that that was a fun um, conversation because it definitely did take me by surprise. The first time I saw the, uh, the Guardian Caps out there uh, in 2021, I was like, what are these things? Oh my gosh. Uh, but they serve a purpose and it is a very, very big purpose. So that will do it for us today. Please check out our YouTube channel, Believe in Falcons. Uh, like and subscribe there. Share this podcast uh, if you would not mind with anybody you think might be interested. Uh, again, gave you the rundown on this weekend. What to look forward to. I may see you on su- Saturday. I may see you on Monday. But I will see you nonetheless. And until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.